want to give honor to Pastor today, not because it's just what you always say, but because I mean it. The man has had an incredible impact in my life, his whole family, but he and Lady are just, I don't know where I would be without them. So thank you both. I love you very much, and I love Grace Church, and uh, I hope that you know that. I want to go to the word of the Lord today. Everything that has happened so far in this service has been exactly aligned with what God wants to do. I think that will become apparent as I take my text and preach my sermon. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 24. It says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. We're reading from the New Living Translation today, by the way, for those of you that were freaking out. And it says, the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water, Sister Casey, on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Verse 24, but just before dawn, stop. Verse 21 says, the wind blew all that night. Verse 22 says, so the people of Israel walked through, on the, through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And verse 24 says, but just before dawn. Now let's finish the text. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. So when did the Israelites move from one side of the Red Sea to the other side. If the wind blew all night, and then Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and the next thing the Scriptures say is that just before dawn, God did something else, then when did the Israelites move from one side of the sea to the other? At what point... In the 24-hour cycle that we refer to as a day, did they change from one place to another place? Can anybody here tell me what period of time it's called whenever their position changed? Anybody? Ah, come on now. It was night when the wind blew. It was night when the ground was made dry. And it was night when it says they crossed over. And it was just before dawn when God allows the next scene to play out. It was nighttime when their position changed. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about nighttime changes. We're going to pray and then you can be seated. Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you have orchestrated in this house today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your leadership and wisdom. I pray that your voice would be heard in this house today above every other voice that is clamoring for their attention. Let your will be done. Let your power be released in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give your neighbor a fist bump and be seated. God parted the Red Sea with a strong east wind through the night. Some miracles happen during a time when you can't see it. 
Now, I need y'all to go ahead and get on board and get on board quick because the sermon has already started. I'm going to say that again. Some miracles happen during a time when you can't see it. Incrementally, during the night, maybe even the darkest, most frightening night of your life, sometimes God waits until nighttime to change your position. Sometimes the change you're looking for, sometimes the breakthrough that you need, sometimes the miracle that you got to have doesn't happen in the full bright of day, in the light where you can see everything that's going on fully revealed so that you know exactly what's happening. But instead, it happens in the dark during the nighttime when you can't see, when you don't know what's going on, and when you can't see enough to tell where the next step you take is going to put your foot. Israel had never had a night like this one before. With Pharaoh's chariots at their back and a seemingly impassable sea in front of them, they seemed stuck. They seemed like they were about to die and the only thing between them and their enemy was the presence of God. They didn't have a bank account They didn't have a job. They didn't have a health insurance plan. They didn't have a retirement annuity. There was no fallback. There was no other option. They didn't have an army to help them. They didn't have a political party on their side. And they had no inside connection. There wasn't a trick play left in the playbook. There wasn't an ace in the hole. Brother Dave, there wasn't going to be a mulligan. There wasn't going to be a do-over. If God didn't step in and do something for them, they were done. Their backs were against the wall and they were desperate. I just wonder who I'm preaching to today. I wonder if there's anybody here at Grace Church this morning and you came in and you were already feeling desperate. They had nothing else to rely on in the nighttime miracle moment but the presence of God and His plan for their future. I would imagine they got just a little anxious. I would imagine that they probably started second-guessing. Their blood pressure was probably just a little bit elevated and their heart rate higher than normal. Some of them probably had a hypertension headache. I would imagine that some of them were probably cranky and fussing at the kids. You know how you get when the pressure's on. You know how you talk to the kids whenever things are starting to turn bad? Owen probably doesn't remember it, but I sent him to his room one time for breathing wrong. I said, son, you're slurping. You're not breathing. Get out of here and go to your room. I'm sorry, son. I love you. You'll fuss at them for anything. You haven't seen stress like this, though. We get stressed out in traffic on I-10 trying to come back over the bridge. They were in a traffic jam that consisted of millions of people. They were jammed up geographically. They had an inland sea in front of them and they had an army at their backs. Don't you think they got just a little bit stressed out? But the whole time God's presence was keeping them safe from their enemy, His wind was also blowing and working a miracle that they could not see. It was nighttime, but God had already set the things in motion that would allow them to move forward. Somebody needs to give a great God a great praise right now. I can't see what you're doing. 
It's nighttime in my life, but I know your wind is blowing and you're working. You're a great God, and I'm going to give you a great praise today. Hallelujah. Now watch me, because this is important. God did not take them out of the situation. He didn't remove them from one place and magically put them in another place. And he did not take Pharaoh's chariots and armies away, and he didn't take the sea away either. God didn't remove the threat of their past from behind them, and he didn't supernaturally teleport them to the other side of the obstacle that was in front of them either. Instead, he was making a way through their problem. Through the thing that blocked their progress, they just couldn't see it because it was nighttime. They couldn't see the changes that were taking place because it was nighttime. And let's be clear about what they were up against, too. Now, Sister Casey, I have to apologize to you, but I wrote my sermon before you got up here to talk. But I think we might have something wrong in this story. And maybe some of you knew this already, but it's a new one on me. But I always thought that Pharaoh and his army were there to kill them. I thought Pharaoh got mad and, and, and said, I'm, I'm going to kill him because his, his pride was hurt. And he wanted revenge and he wanted to save face. But I'm not too sure that's what was going on. Because what he actually said was, in, in verse 5 of the same chapter, he said this. He said, what have we done? Letting all of these Israelite slaves get away. Why are we letting our free labor just walk out of here? Why are we letting this potential resource out from under our control? Why are we giving freedom to grow and freedom to prosper to a potential competitor? So what came chasing after them was not a new threat wanting to kill them, but it was their past wanting to chain them. To put the old shackles back on. Some of you, your greatest enemy is not the devil in some new situation that you're walking into, but it's your past. It's your old mistakes, your old habits, your old patterns, your old addictions, your old fears, your old anxieties, and it does not have to kill you if it can chain you. If it can chain your potential. And keep, I feel the power of the Lord in here. If it can chain your potential and keep you in bondage, he doesn't care if you're alive. As long as your potential remains bound. What scared Pharaoh was not who the Israelites were. It was what they could possibly become. And as long as they were working for him, it didn't matter. But once their potential was loose, it became a problem. Once their potential was loosed, it became a threat. So for many of you, your greatest fear isn't what lies in front of you, but it's the rattling chains and the shackles of your past coming to bind your potential. I'm preaching good. It's an old comfort zone calling your name again. And to go back to what you know and to go back to what is familiar to you and to go back to what you could see is so tempting because the way forward into the destiny that God has prescribed for you is just covered in nighttime of the unknown. 
I wish about 27 people would just stand up right now and offer up a praise so loud that all of hell would know I'm not going back. You can try to rattle those chains on me if you want to, but I'm not going back. You can try to bind me again, but I'm not going back. Come on. Hallelujah. I might not be able to see where I'm going because it's covered in nighttime, but I know who my God is. I know what power he has, and I'm not going back. Now sit down. This was a miracle of positioning. God worked a miracle in the nighttime to change their position. To make a clean break with their past. To sever all of the ties with their old comfort zones. To break the last vestiges of of the power that used to control their potential. God was positioning them for the work that can only be done in liberty and freedom. They were about to go to war. They were about to face another enemy and you can't fight with chains on you. You can't go to war and claim new territory with shackles on your feet. God was changing their position so that he could give them a clean break to prepare for the battle that was coming. God was changing their position to set them up for success in the future. But it was a nighttime change. It was a nighttime change. Yeah, God, you changed their position. But you positioned them during the night. The story's all about positioning. God couldn't do what he had in mind to do with their enemy until his children got into position first. Now, they didn't know it, but God was about to drown their past. They didn't know it, but God was about to use the very obstacle that frustrated them and stood in front of their forward progress during the daytime to destroy and drown the old enemy that was driving them from the back but he had to get them into position first. You know, sometimes God doesn't give you a choice in the matter. Sometimes he doesn't leave it up to you. He will get you in position to accomplish his purpose. You know, God will drop food on you from ravens. But you've got to get into position if you want that kind of provision. Come on, Elijah, you, you got to go where he told you to go. First Kings 17, God sent Elijah to the brook Cherith, and he stayed there for three years during drought and famine. And y'all know the story. God sent ravens to bring him food. Brook Cherith means cut off. Cherith means separation. So he moved Elijah into a place. He changed his position to make where it put him in a place where he was uncomfortable and cut off and isolated and put him in a position where he was now dependent on God for his supply instead of being self-sufficient. But it was positioning. If If Elijah wanted the provision, he had to be in position. God sent him to the widow of Zarephath, and there was provision there too, but he had to get into position first. It's not just an Old Testament concept. John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus told the disciples, have the people 
people sit down. Jesus knew what he was about to do. He's about to feed 5,000 people with two barley lo- or five barley loaves and some fish. Jesus knows what he's about to do in your life too. But he had to get them into a position to receive. Jesus said, if they want my provision, they're going to have to pause and sit down in my presence long enough to receive what I have for them. So maybe that's your word today. Because while some of you need to move forward, some of you need to pause long enough and sit down in His presence long enough. And look, don't get hung up on this movement or sitting thing. Because it's not about movement and it's not about sitting so much as it is about being in His presence. Because if His presence is moving, then you move. And if His presence is lingering, then you linger. You let Him determine your position. But understand this, sometimes God doesn't leave it up to you. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20 says, Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night long. There's something changing here. God doesn't always give you a choice. What's changing is the method. Because the angel in the pillar of fire moves from before the people to behind them, keeping the Israelites and the Egyptians separated. God's presence moves from in front to behind. The method that had been leading them up to that point wasn't there anymore. But they couldn't go backwards either. There was only one way for them to go, and that was forward, but there's a problem, the Red Sea. So God led Israel by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but now God looked different because of the situation. He didn't look the same way all the time. His method of guidance changed. God's not always going to look the same in every situation in your life. Sometimes you'll have a problem in front of you and God starts doing things different and you will miss him because you're looking for him to appear in the form of a method. And if his method does not fit your thinking or your tradition or your experience, then it must not be God. And especially if there's a problem in front of me. But God's not bound by your thinking. And God is not bound by your tradition. And He's not limited to your experience. You think that God can only use a cloud in the daytime. Don't get me wrong. Daytime's good. I like daytime. I I like to be able to see everything. I like to be able to get my bearings and and be able to see the path. I can see the cloud. God's right there. He's in front of me. That's just the way he's been doing it. It's all good. I prefer it this way. I really like this method. But don't make the mistake of thinking that God can only use the things in front of you to lead you. Because God was even using the whips and the chariots of Pharaoh to make sure that Israel kept moving forward. They couldn't stay at the Red Sea. So while the cloud leads them forward, God uses Pharaoh to drive them from behind. 
that went over about as well as I thought it would. Look, I know you're not going to like it, but God told me to say it, so here it comes. Maybe the stuff that has been hounding you from behind is just as much the hand of God in your life as the stuff in front of you that appeals to you that's been drawing you forward. Now, it may look like your enemy, and it may sound like your past, but God is the one who is in control of this entire situation. And what He's doing is trying to get you to move. You feel driven by what's behind you and desperate to do whatever it takes to keep things from going back to the way they were before. Maybe that pressure that you're feeling is exactly what you need to get you moving and God knows it. Now God's not sadistic. God is not mean-spirited. God is not uncaring. He is a good and loving God. Even in this situation, listen, God's presence moved between Israel and their past. God's presence moved between where they were and where their enemy was. And the only way their enemy was going to get to them is by going through the presence of God. And that ain't happening. God's presence moved between Israel and their past. God's method protected them and positioned them at the same time. Their only course of action was forward, but God had their back covered. And even though it was nighttime, even though it was a nighttime change, help me, Jesus. Even though it's a change of position whenever you can't see everything that's happening around you. And even though it's a method that he hasn't used in the past that you're familiar with. And even though there's a problem in front of you. And even though there is pressure behind you. It might just be that God's trying to get you to move to change position in the nighttime through an unfamiliar method. Through an uncomfortable method when you really just don't feel like it. You know, there is potentially a very grave error in doing as you feel. We hear that in church, don't we? Just just do as you feel. I felt led to tell you. I felt led to do it. It's, It's Christianese. It doesn't make sense to anybody else. It just makes sense to us. Now, I know what we mean. What we mean is do as the Spirit of God leads you. But we got to be careful, and we might want to qualify that statement just a little bit. To only move when you feel like it? Just give as you feel led to give. Just, come on, nexters, just serve as you feel led to serve. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that's probably not going to work out real good because I don't always feel like giving. And I don't always feel like serving. Is that too real? Where do we get the idea that it would be a good idea to tell people to do that? If I ate as I feel led, 
There would not be enough fabric in these continental United States to cover the girth and circumference of my waistline if I ate as I feel led. If I exercised as I feel led, I'd get two workouts a year, one in January and one in May. And then I'd say, you know what? Who cares? I already got my wife. (laughs) If I went to work as I feel led, do I even need to explain that to you? (laughs) Try telling your kids, kids, just go to school as you feel led. Try telling your boss, I just didn't feel led to come in today. See what happens. And that's funny. But we will relegate our relationship with God according to how we feel in the moment. And we will allow our feelings about a particular method of His to decide whether we move or not. We will let our position in God be dictated by how we feel and miss out on his provision because we don't feel like changing our position. Especially if it's a nighttime change. The cloud didn't ask Israel, do you feel like moving today? Is this a good time for you? How does this work with your schedule? The cloud didn't ask Israel that. They moved when the cloud moved, not when they felt like it. God didn't consult their mood or their feelings. Well, guess what? God hasn't changed, and I don't have to feel it either. Daytime when I can see, God, you want me to move? Okay, I'll move. But if it's a nighttime change, and I can't see, and I don't feel like it, God, if you're moving, I just want to be where you are. God, you want to put a cloud in front of me to lead me so I know exactly where to put my next footstep? Okay, I'm great with that. But if it's nighttime and I can't see and there's pressure behind me and an obstacle in front of me, God, I want you to know it's still okay with this guy. If you want me to move, I'm moving. And it doesn't matter if it's when or where, I'm going to move when and where you want me to. Going on record. I'm not led by my feelings. Well, I shouldn't be. Let me be honest while I'm in the pulpit. I shouldn't be led by my feelings. That's a better way to say it. It doesn't sound as authoritative, but let's keep it real. I should be led by my priorities, not my feelings. It's the difference between a mature faith and this, this faith that it's the difference between a mature faith that keeps you pointed in the direction of God's purpose for your life and this flaky, inconsistent, herky-jerky, every which way faith. On Sunday, I'm up here. On Monday, I'm down there. On Wednesday, I'm over here. And on Friday, I'm way over there. If God does it this way, then I'll try it. But if he does it the other way, then I'm staying put. If God talks to me and leads me in a way that I prefer, then I'll obey. But if he tries to do it some other way, then I'm out. Do you even hear how ridiculous that sounds? 
Now we won't say it out loud, but our actions tell the story well enough. God sent them a cloud to teach them to prioritize. You move when I move. Not just when it's daytime and not just when it's nighttime. You move when I move. If I move in broad daylight where you can see everything going on, good. Move then. But if I choose to change your position in the middle of the night and you don't have a clue what's happening, I've got a purpose in changing your position that way so you move with me. Because you either trust me or you don't. Matthew 6, but seek ye. That's a statement of priority, not a statement of feeling. That's a statement of priority, not a statement of preference. I'm not going to church because I feel like it. It's a priority. I'm not giving tithes and giving a special offering every time a missionary comes through because I feel like it. It's a priority. I'm not showing up early and staying late because I feel like it all the time. The kingdom of God is a priority. If I did everything I felt like doing, I would have a ministry. It would be a prison ministry from inside the prison. I don't do... Come on, y'all. Y'all know me. I don't do the right thing, the biblical thing, the nice thing, the scriptural thing because I feel like it all the time. I do it because it's a priority. You don't stay married for 25 years because you feel like being nice. You wouldn't stay married for 25 minutes. No, you made it a priority to be nice. Because that person matters. You made it a priority to love that person even when you don't feel like it. So how about this? How about instead of just how you feel, how about you obey the scriptures? Now I'm preaching. How about instead of how you feel, you bend your ear and your stiff neck to the man of God and the spiritual mentors God has placed in your life and do what he's telling you through the people that really matter. How about if instead of how you feel, you quit ignoring that still small voice of God that bothers you before you can go to sleep at night and is on your mind the first thing whenever you wake up in the morning that's talking to you about some changes that you need to make in your life, but you're drowning it with your career, your kids, and your recreation. How about you listen to that voice instead? Oh, y'all don't like me now, see? I know when I'm preaching good because y'all start squirming. You sit still. Listen, you can try to work or relax or recreate that voice into silence as much as you want to, but you're still going to be miserable. God wants you to move. He's changing your position. I know it's nighttime. Come on. So for all of you who are in transition today. For all of you who are feeling the pressure of what's behind you, driving you. For those of you who are here today and you know there's only one way to go and it's forward, but I just, I just don't see how it's going to happen, Jason. When God has decided to change your position in the middle of the night with a method that you're not used to or even happy with through a problem instead of removing the problem. 
When God makes a nighttime change in your life, it may not be what you feel like. I know it may not be your preference and the way that you would rather him do things. But if you will follow that leading because you've made it a priority, your position is going to change. If you will understand that even nighttime changes position you for His purpose and provision. There's some position changes about to take place in these altars here in the next few minutes because somebody, I might not have been preaching to everybody today, but somebody is about to change positions before you leave this house. It is the darkest nighttime of your life, but if you will respond to the presence of God in spite of what's going on around you and what you can't see, God is going to move you from where you are into the miraculous place that he intends for you to be next. Folks, I'm not just preaching it, I'm living it. (laughs) Some of you know. I'm living it. I wish I had time to tell you about Matthew 14, where Jesus comes walking on the water and tells Peter, yeah, Peter, come on out, walk on the water with me. During the fourth watch of the night. So not only was it a miracle, Come on, somebody, it was a nighttime miracle. It was a change of position out of the safety of a man-made boat (laughs) and into the presence of God, and it defied the natural order, and it defied the laws of physics. It was a nighttime change of position that was perfectly in the will of God. I don't have time to tell you about that, though. I wish I had time to tell you about 1 Samuel chapter 3, whenever God calls Samuel's name three times at night. Letting Samuel know, I'm changing your position, Samuel. You've been a servant in my house up to now, but I'm about to make you into a prophet. You You just can't see it yet. And I know it's nighttime, and I know it's unfamiliar, and you haven't heard my voice like this before. But it's still me affecting the position change. But I don't have time to tell you about that. I wish I had some time today to tell you about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 when... They've been placed in stocks and their backs have been sorely beaten and they begin to sing hymns and make praise to God and suddenly there is a massive earthquake and it's shaken, the whole prison is shaken to its foundations and the doors of the cells to the other prisons flew open and it says that chains flew off of every prisoner at night. It was a nighttime change where they went from bondage to freedom (laughs) through praise. 
It changed the landscape around them. A massive earthquake. It changed the landscape around them. And it was so powerful of a position change that it actually loosed the other people around them. I wonder if God wants to change somebody's position in such a powerful way that it actually sets the people around you free. Y'all stand with me today. I wish I had time to tell you about all of these nighttime changes, but I don't. But maybe we've got time today for God to tell you something while you stand in His presence. Maybe we've got time today so that you can hear what you need to hear from Him about your nighttime change. Maybe what you need to hear about your nighttime change is waiting for you right up here. And what God speaks to you in the next few minutes is going to make all of the difference in your life. Maybe we've got some time today for a miracle change of position that aligns you with God's purpose and God's provision. It's nighttime changes. And I would really rather it not be done that way. But if God has to move me during the nighttime, then he's got a plan, a reason, and a purpose for doing it that way. I wonder if anybody will help me pray this morning. I have felt the Spirit of God throughout this sermon pulling on the hearts of people. Somebody help me pray right now. We're going to go ahead and open these altars. If this has been your word today, I want to challenge you right now. Come on down. You've got plenty of people here that are gathered around you and pray. But maybe what you need to hear today hasn't come out of this mouth, but it's going to be spoken into the quiet of your spirit because God's waiting. His presence is waiting for you right here at the front of this church. Come on, Grace Church, pray with me today. I want you to call on the name of God so that he'll talk to people about where they are in their life. Yeah, it's nighttime. Yeah, you're struggling. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's some pressure behind you. Yeah, there's things going on that you can't see. But I'm with you. My provision is for you. This position change is for you. Come on. There's a deep move of the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody's, somebody's heart is being touched. Come on and pray with me. Pray with me. Slide up beside somebody that you can see reaching out for the presence of God. Just put a hand on a shoulder. Start.